0: I want to share with you a beautiful idea that comes out of this week's Torah portion. Now, this week's Torah portion, Naso always comes out right after Shavuos, outside the land of Israel. And so there's definitely a connection between this week's Parsha and Shavuos. Now, I want to utilize an opportunity to answer a great question that one of my students asked me on Shavuos. He said, "Why are we celebrating Shavuos? Just think about it. Shavuos is like the wedding day between us and the Jewish people. And what happened immediately after Shavuos? Forty days later, Moses comes down from the mountain and he finds the Jewish people worshiping a cow, a golden calf. And he immediately smashes the tablets, and it's it's a whole uh, plague and people die and it's really bad." And Moses has to plead for the Jewish people to be to be forgiven, and then comes back down after many days of praying again with with two tablets. Again, the whole process begins again. So it's a little bit of a chutzpah. It's a little brazen of us to celebrate the day that the Torah was given if that day went all wrong and we had to start all over again. So. In fact, the second two tablets were received. When did Moses come back down with the second two tablets? He originally came down with the two tablets on the 17th of Tammuz. That's 40 days from now. And found the Jews worshiping the golden calf. He smashed the tablets, went back up on Mount Sinai for another 40 days and plead for forgiveness. Came back down on Rosh Chodesh Elul, the new first day of the month of Elul. went back up again for another 40 days and this time received, the, came back down with the new tablets on 40 days later after Rosh Chodesh El is Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. So really Yom Kippur symbolizes our real marriage to God, our second marriage, the one that lasted, so to speak. So why are we celebrating Shavuos? I, I think it's a great question, perhaps even better than the answer. But let's give it a shot. Um We learn in this week's parsha the story of a sota. What is a sota? A sota is a situation where a husband and wife are having marital strife, and the man suspects his woman of maybe uh, in getting too close to another man, and he warns her not to be alone with that man, and then he finds them alone together, and that's it. He's had it through the roof, and the Torah gives us a recipe to try to bring peace between husband and wife once again to redeem her in his eyes and to and to bring out the 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 to vindicate her of his claims against her and to show that she's really innocent in order that they should stay married and the Torah goes through a whole ritual process in which God's name is written on a tablet and erased inside some water which she then drinks, and it's a whole long thing. But what, why am I telling you this? Because two things come out that are amazing. First of all, the Talmuds. One of the there's a rule in Judaism that we do not erase God's name. In fact, it's akin, in a certain sense, a symbolic of of desecrating God, of of denying God, erasing God's name. God, if there's any paper, any papers with with Torah writing on it. And those papers, especially God's name, have to be buried. They can't be thrown in the garbage. They can't be ripped out. They can't be crossed out. In fact, I had a, I have a friend when I was a kid whose father, I guess, is a little bit of a rebellious kid. And he learned in this this law when he was growing up in, in school in, in yeshiva in Brooklyn. He learned uh, as a kid in the 1950s that you're not allowed to erase God's name. So he immediately went to the bathroom and wrote God's name on the urinal in the bath in the boy's bathroom. And he uh he was very amused that the urinal was then taken out of the school and buried. And I think the kid was promptly kicked out of yeshiva after that incident. But we see that that it's a very big deal to erase God's name. And yet in this ritual, God's name is deliberately erased. And the Talmud says, why is that? Because God says, I'm willing to have my name erased, my name thrown in the mud in order to bring peace. To husband and wife the greatest thing we can do is try to bring together a spouse spouses who are having strife amongst themselves why is that because the greatest revelation of god in this world exists when we have peace and the greatest peace that can take place in this world is when man and woman come together opposites when people bridge their differences people who were naturally totally different and come together in peace. I had a therapy client today who was complaining about certain issues that she was having with her husband. And I said "These these are universal issues that any man who's married to a woman, any woman who's married to a man has because of the natural biological, emotional, spiritual differences between men and women. These are very common challenges so why are we supposed to ma why is the torah uh, uh sanction male female weddings marriages only because that's the greatest revelation of oneness is when differences are bridged in order to bring about peace that's the definition of peace shalom doesn't mean peace like like in english peace kind of means pieces you have your realm of influence i have my realm of influence you you don't bother me. I don't bother you. That's peace. But that's that in Judaism, that's really pieces. You don't have peace with somebody who you have no problems with, someone who you live distant from. Peace is only exists with people you live close to, and that you have tension with, and you're able to bridge the gaps and work through the tension in order to come together. That's shalom. The word shalom in Hebrew really means completion. That's what peace is all about. So it says in the Talmud that when a man and woman are living together in peace, when then God is with them. Because the word man, Ish, and the word woman, Isha, are really the same word. They're made up of the same letters with two differences. Man has a has an yud in his name, and a woman has a hay in his in her name. So when you put those two together. The Yud and the Hey spell God's name. yud Hey is one of the names of God. If you take out the Yud and the He, you're left with the similar letters, which is Aleph shin which spells Esh, fire. And the Talmud says that if God's not with the husband and wife, or if the husband and wife are not living in peace, then, then marriage turns into a raging fire and it destroys itself. So the greatest revelation of God comes about when we, bring differences together but it also could lead to the greatest catastrophe and strife and disharmony when it's not done in the right way so we see the greatness of coming together of husband and wife what does this have to do with shavuos so i uh one of of my kids recently was really beating up on another kid and for several weeks, maybe even over a month, was just really, really bullying and down, and wouldn't wouldn't let the other kid get a word in without without a nasty comment. And you know, we tried to speak to the kid, it, it didn't work. It just kept happening. And a few days ago, literally on Shavuos, the kid came up to me and said, you know, I'm not I'm not feeling so good. I'm feeling a little bit down about some something. And I said, well, why do you think that is? The kid said, I don't know. So I said, well, there's a couple of options why you might feel down. You're either tired, hungry, or getting sick, or maybe you're having a negative thought about something. And uh, if we could figure out the thought, then we could work on it. So I said, so, I said, so the options of how to get over it is either to you know, figure out what the physical cause is, maybe you need some sleep or you need to eat, or maybe you're getting a cold, or figure out what the thought is. And you could either try to analyze the thought or you can just distract yourself by thinking about something else, or you can do a mitzvah. You can engage in something positive, and that might help make you feel better. So immediately after that schmooze, my kid got up, grabbed a handful of candies, and went over to the other younger sibling that they had been bullying, and gave them a handful of candies and apologized for having been mean to them. And the the younger kid's face lit up. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. They were shining and and literally had tears in their eyes. And so did I. It was such a beautiful thing. So a few days later, I was praising that kid uh, for for having done that amazing thing. And one of my other kids said, overheard me and said, why are you praising the kid for, for having apologized after having been so mean? That means that I could be mean and then apologize and you'll praise me? And I said, actually, yes. You know, the kid was patiently pointing out that, you know, it's not, uh, it's not fair. The kid who was bad now gets, gets a compliment for having corrected the, the mistake. And it's a little bit counterintuitive. So the kid said, so I could just go and, and beat up my sibling and then, get, and then apologize? And I said, no, actually, it doesn't work that way. Because, you see, the, there's something in Judaism called tshuva. Tshuva means when we rectify a mistake that we made when we repent, when we say, I'm sorry. And the Torah says that if a person repents, does, uh, you know, rectifies their error out of love. And that involves, you know, if it's between something that we did towards God, it means that we feel bad about it. We say, I'm sorry. We speak out what we did. We accept upon ourselves not to do it again. And if it's something we did to another person, we ask forgiveness and we pay them back for whatever we broke. So the Torah say, the Talmud says that if you do that out of love for God, wanting to come close, wanting to improve yourself, not out of fear, if you do it out of love, then the things you did wrong, your sins, become mitzvahs. You actually get rewarded for the thing you did wrong. How, how does that work? It's a crazy concept. The answer, I believe, is, is that, when you, that that thing you did wrong now becomes the impetus for you to become closer because you feel far and you feel bad and now that actually you grow closer to God because of the thing you did wrong it actually becomes a stepping stone towards your growth and we see it that by people who are once far from Judaism come back they come back with a fire and a passion that's that's nowhere near most people who grew up religious who do it by rote in fact the Talmud says that the place that a balachuva is someone who repented the place that a bala tshuva stands is m- much different, much greater than the place where a tzaddik, someone who never sinned in their life stands. It's much greater to have fallen and come back than to never have fallen. And so there's one time that chuva doesn't work. And that's if you sin on condition to do chuva. If you say, I'll just eat this pork today and tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll apologize to God. That doesn't work because it means that you're you're abusing the system. So 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 I said to my kid, no, it doesn't work that way. It's only because the the kid did the wrong thing that he's able to do tshuva. But if you didn't did the wrong thing, thinking I'll just do tshuva tomorrow, it's not going to work. Why is that? Why does that not work? So listen to this. The the Talmud teaches us in the story of the Sota, the the wife who whose husband suspects her of having strayed. And, and uh, been unfaithful with another man. So the word, the Talmud learns that the word sota is related to the Hebrew word shtus. Which comes from the word shoteh, which means insanity. The Talmud says from this, we see from this that a person doesn't do a sin unless they become overcome with a spirit of insanity. They become temporarily insane. Because if you think about it, if you really believe in God, then why would you do a sin? The answer is because at that moment, your body is so overcoming you with your desire for the thing that you're not allowed to do that you forget God in that moment. You become temporarily insane. You temporarily forget your values and your purpose in life. So because of that, there's infinite possibility for repentance. Because it wasn't you. You weren't thinking. It, it's a real claim that you can get out of, out of court, out of out of uh, a, a, of, of all sorts of different uh, infractions in American law by claiming temporary insanity. But the Torah says it really works with all sins, except for one. When you think I'll sin today, but I'll do tshuva tomorrow, it means you weren't temporarily insane it means you had your wits about you you remembered god and that's much much worse you can't get out of that one so you're right on shavuos we got married to god and we fell miserably but why do we continue to celebrate shavuos because hashem says i will always love you you can always come back you can always come back to me and I'll always remember you as if it was that first day, because that day you had clarity. You had clarity at that moment. We saw with clarity that God exists, but you know what? We're going to fall because we're human. We have bodies and our bodies pull us down. We're going to forget that clarity, but it's a ruach shtos. It's a temporary insanity. And we can come back to that clarity and do tshuva. And we're, we're brought back to closeness with God just as if that very first day. So there's two days that we celebrate the giving of the Torah. One of them is Shavuos, that first moment before we fell, when we had absolute clarity. And the other is Yom Kippur, when we receive the second tablets, the day that's set aside for tshuva, for all generations. And that's that it symbolizes our return to God. That's what I believe the answer to this question is. A Jew is never far from God. It's never too late to repent we just have to notice and recognize that we were temporarily insane but we can come back to our wits we can come back to our values it's never too late to come back to our spouse god cares about our love relationship with him so much he's willing to erase his name for us to have peace in the home and all the more so to have peace with him so i'll conclude with one last idea that somebody once told me that he received the following marriage advice before he got married and he's always adhered to this advice and says it's the greatest advice and the advice is never go to sleep in a fight you're having a fight with your spouse work it out don't go to sleep without resolving that problem so i say that is the worst advice ever do not listen to that advice why because the worst time to resolve a problem is when you're tired late at night after getting in the heat of it Instead, go to sleep, sleep on it. In the morning, that temporary insanity will have lifted up. I guarantee you and your spouse will be able to talk things out in a much more rational way, be able to see each other's positions on a good night's sleep. It's worth it to put aside resolving it instantly, to wait for a time when the heat of the passion has died down and you can actually speak things out. Never try to solve a problem in the heat of the moment. And that's, I think, the message here, that Hashem will always see us for our true self. And all we have to do is tap into our values and ask forgiveness. And we're instantly back, brought back to the closeness of the wedding day. Wishing you all a beautiful Shabbos.